ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so from today there's a change in the schedule we're going to be doing the Ramadan course from today onwards for the next few weeks uh, until Ramadan and then inshallah ta'ala after Ramadan we'll come back and finish off the seerah classes so today then we begin on the Ramadan course the first thing then from Bulugh al-Maram with the explanation of Sheikh Al-Fawzan in the chapter of fasting, he mentions, هُوَ رُكْنُ ثَالِثْ مِنْ أَرْكَانِ الْإِسْلَامِ That fasting is the third pillar from the pillars of Islam. وَقَدْ فَرَضَهُ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى عَلَى هَذِي الْأُمَّةِ كَمَا فَرَضَهُ عَلَى الْأُمَّةِ سَابِقَةِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fasting obligatory upon this ummah, just as he made fasting obligatory upon the previous nations too. So Allah mentioned in the Qur'an in Surah Al-Baqarah 183, that, O oh, you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you just as it was prescribed upon those who came before you. So fasting is not something specific to the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Fasting is something which existed in previous nations also from all the way from Nuh alayhi salam, some of the scholars they mention, all of the prophets and messengers, they had this concept of fasting. And Allah mentions that in this ayah, that we prescribed it upon you, just as we prescribed it upon those who came before you. So it indicates that fasting is a beloved act of worship to Allah. That Allah prescribed it not only upon this ummah, but upon the nations that came before us too. Linguistically speaking, it means al-imsak, to withhold or to abstain from something. And linguistically that can refer to anything. It could be that you are withholding from speaking. So you are fasting in speech. It could be that you are withholding from walking, from moving, you're staying still. So you're fasting from walking or movement. In the Qur'an it gives the example of these things. In Surah Maryam, Ayah 26, إِنِّي نَظَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ سَوْمًا فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيًّا Regarding Maryam where it says that I have vowed to Ar-Rahman, fasting. So I will not speak to anyone today. Speaking, fasting in speech, that I will remain silent. Similarly in the poetry, خَيْلٌ صَيَامٌ وَأُخْرَى غَيْرُ صَائِمَةٍ 
There are horses that are fasting and others that are not fasting. Meaning some of them are moving, walking, and others are not. They're refusing to move. So they are fasting from movement, withholding from movement. That's what fasting means Islamically, to withhold from something, to abstain and hold yourself back from doing something. Islamically speaking though, fasting is الْإِمْسَاكُ بِنِيَّةٍ عَنِ الْمُفَطِّرَاتِ الْحِسِّيَّ وَالْمَعْنُوِيَّ مِنْ طُلُوعِ الْفَجَرِ الثَّانِي إِلَى غُرُوبِ الشَّمْسِ It is to withhold from the things that break your fast, eating, drinking, intercourse, and the other types of things like backbiting, etc., to withhold from all of those things with an intention from the time of Fajr starting, when the Fajr time enters, up until sunset. That you must withhold from all of those things from Fajr time starting up until sunset with an intention. So if somebody just happened to not eat, drink, etc. the whole day, linguistically they've been Fasting, but Islamically won't count as a fast because they never made an intention. And we know in the hadith of the Prophet that all of your actions are judged upon your intentions. So if you just didn't happen to eat or drink without any intention of fasting, then you're not going to get the reward of fasting. So it must be with an intention. Also then, what is some of the wisdom behind fasting? In the ayah, Allah gave us one of the main wisdoms behind fasting, and that is, taqwa, to achieve taqwa, piety, righteousness, which is basically that you achieve a level of obedience to Allah, worshipping and fulfilling the rights of Allah. Hoping for the reward from Allah. Sincerely for the sake of Allah. And you stay away from the haram, the prohibitions. Sincerely knowing that this is haram and a prohibition. Fearing the punishment of Allah. So you achieve this taqwa. Which helps you to worship Allah and stay away from haram. And that is what fasting helps you with. Because fasting there is a very strong link between it. And patience. In fact, the month of Ramadan is known as the month of patience. So it aids you upon that patience, aids you upon your worship to Allah, and aids you in staying away from the haram. Similarly, in fasting, a person realizes how small and weak he is. How small a creation of Allah He is. That even after just a few hours without food, all of a sudden you start feeling the hunger and the weakness and the thirst in your body straight away. A few hours, half of the day, not even all the day. Half of the day, two-thirds of the day, and straight away you're already feeling the hunger and the, the weakness in your body. Before you even get anywhere near Maghrib time. So this shows how weak a person is. We are just small creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Similarly from the benefits of fasting is that you recognize the blessings of Allah upon you because you experience the hunger and so you remember all of those people across the world whom are in constant hunger all of the time. And at the time of Maghrib, they will not find any food as you will, as Allah blessed you with. So you recognize from this hunger you experience the plight of others across the world. You recognize the hunger that others experience and you therefore appreciate the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you and you have mercy towards those in poverty with your charity and your dua etc recognizing the hunger that they are upon constantly children adults all alike in poverty across the world so this is another thing that you benefit from in experiencing the hunger you experience the plight of those who are lesser off than yourself and so you recognize the need to have mercy towards them, to give in charity, to make dua for them, and to recognize the blessings of Allah upon you. So, the first hadith then, the opening section of Bulugh al-Maram, it discusses about the moon sighting, about the beginning of Ramadan. So the first hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لا تقدموا رمضان بسوم يوم أو يومين إلا رجل كان يسوم سوما فليسم Do not precede Ramadan by fasting a day or two in advance Do not precede Ramadan by adding on an extra day or two before Ramadan begins Except somebody who typically fasts on those days, then he can. So imagine now Ramadan was going to begin on a Tuesday, for example. Ramadan was going to begin on a Tuesday, for example. You're not allowed to add on Monday. You're not allowed to say, let me just start on Monday, the day before. Just in case maybe they missed the moon sighting or something. I'll just begin on Monday. I'll just fast on Monday as well. Precaution. This hadith tells you, no, you can't do that. Unless you are in the habit of fasting Mondays anyway, regardless of whether it's Ramadan or not, then in that case you can. Because you're not fasting it with the intention of Ramadan. You're fasting that Monday because you usually fast Mondays anyway. So in that case it would be okay. But somebody who's not in that habit, then you cannot add on an extra day or two leading into Ramadan. You cannot add on additional days, additional uh, day or two into Ramadan. And then we have the narration of Ammar ibn Yasir, radiyallahu anhu qal, مَنْ صَامَ الْيَوْمَ الَّذِي يُشَكُّ فِيهِ فَقَدْ عَصَى أَبَلْ قَاسِمِ That whomsoever fasts on the day of doubt, then he has disobeyed, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is Bulugh al-Maram. For now, not this year book. So whomsoever fasts on the day of doubt, then he has disobeyed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now we need to work out then what is the day of doubt. Because the narration is telling us whoever fasts 
on the day of doubt, then he has disobeyed the Prophet ﷺ. So clearly it's prohibited uh, according to the narration to fast on the day of doubt. So what is the day of doubt then? The 29th of Sha'ban, any other opinions? Moon sightings, based on the moon sightings. So when is the day of doubt then? If it's not been seen. When? Huh? 30th. 30th of Sha'ban? Because it's either 29th or 30th or 2nd of comes first. So which day is going to be the day of doubt? The day of doubt is only one day. 29th? Uh, 29th of Shaban when it's uh, cloudy and moon is not visible. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying the day of doubt is the 29th? 29th of Shaban when it's not clear uh, whether moon is uh, visible due to the foggy and cloudy. So the actual day of doubt comes after that then? Right, yeah. Therefore the 30th. Yeah, yeah, so you got to bear in mind three examples. Bear in mind these three examples, three scenarios. The month before Ramadan is the month of Sha'ban. A month Islamically, because it's based on the lunar calendar, can only ever be either 29 days or 30 days. So, after 29 days of Sha'ban, it's possible the next day, maybe, the first day of Ramadan, then again Sha'ban may end up being 30 days, and so Ramadan after that. So on the 29th day of Sha'ban, the Muslims go out to do what? To sight the moon, just in case Sha'ban is only 29 days and moon comes out. So on the 29th day of Sha'ban, the Muslims go out across the world, to look for the new moon, to see if there is a sighting of the new moon. So, example number one then, on the 29th of Sha'ban, they go out looking for the new moon, and on that night, the 29th of Sha'ban, it's an absolutely clear night. Clear night, you can see everything, the stars everywhere. So they go out on this absolutely clear night, and they look and they look, and there is no moon anywhere. They can see everything clear. There is no moon. In this example, the next day is going to be 30th of Sha'ban. And therefore, the next day after that is going to be Ramadan. Because they've gone out on the 29th, absolutely clear. They've looked, there is no moon. So next day is 30th of Sha'ban in that example. Second example, they go out on the 29th of Sha'ban, absolutely clear everywhere, and they spot the moon. Next day, Ramadan. Third example, what's the third example? What about them? They go out on the 29th of Sha'ban to look for the new moon, but it's not a clear night. There's fog, there's mist, there's dust. There's all types of things in the sky <coughs> blocking their vision. So when they go out on the 29th in this third example, they look and they look and they just cannot see anything. They have no way of knowing if behind all of that cloud and fog and mist the new 
moon was there or not. No way of knowing, it's not a clear night. Fog and cloud everywhere. Maybe the new moon was there. Then again, maybe it was not there. No way to know. So now what's the next day's ruling? It's going to count as the 30th of Sha'ban. We're going to come to the hadith in a minute. But are you certain it's the 30th of Sha'ban the next day? You're not. Exactly. Because the night before you went to look and it was covered with cloud, there was no way you could tell if the new moon was up. Maybe it was. So are you absolutely certain it's the 30th of Sha'ban next day? That's why it's now known as the day of doubt. So when does it become known as the day of doubt? If on the 29th day you were unable to determine if the moon is out. So if you're asked, when is the day of doubt? You can't just say the 30th of Sha'ban and full stop. Because in our first example... It was a clear night, they went and they knew there was no moon out. So is the next day the day of doubt now? There is no doubt, there was no moon, they know. So the day of doubt is when on the 29th day you are unable to determine if the moon is out or not. So the next day becomes known as the day of doubt, which is the 30th of Sha'ban. In that case, the hadith tells you now, on the day of doubt, whoever fasts has disobeyed the Prophet Therefore, when you go out on the 29th, it's cloudy, you can't tell. The next day is the day of doubt. It's considered as 30th of Sha'ban and you don't fast. And that is what the majority of the scholars have said. That the 30th of Sha'ban in that scenario as the day of doubt, you do not fast it. Don't say, well, it was cloudy last night, maybe the moon was out. Let's just be careful and fast. Just in case. You don't do that. The majority of the scholars have said, you do not fast in that case, and the evidences are going to come up right now. Firstly, we have the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. Radiyallahu anhuma qal, Sami'atu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, that when you see it, then fast. When you see what? The new moon. When you see the new moon, then start fasting. Start Ramadan. And when you see it again, then open your fast. What does that mean? Meaning the end of Ramadan. So when you see it the first time, start your Ramadan. When you see it again, end your Ramadan. Do eat. But then the hadith says, if it's covered up, if it's cloudy, then estimate. What does that mean? In Muslim, it clarifies. فَإِذَا أُغْمِيَ عَلَيْكُمْ فَقْدُرُوا لَهُ ثَلَاثِينَ If it's covered up, then estimate it as 30. Estimate it as 30. So now we know you have to estimate the month as 30 days. فَأَكْمِلُوا الْعِدَّةَ ثَلَاثِينَ In Bukhari, it says as well, complete 30 days. But still, how do we know that's all talking about Sha'ban? It says estimated as 30, complete 30. But what if somebody comes along and says, but none of that is evidence that you make the next day the 30th of Sha'ban. Maybe it's talking about make Ramadan 30 days or something. 
There is actually clear evidence. In Bukhari, فَأَكْمِلُ عِدَّةَ شَعْبَانَ ثَلَاثِينَ Clear hadith says, in that situation, complete the days of Sha'ban as 30. Clear proof, nothing to argue about. If you don't see the moon on the 29th, it's covered up, it's cloudy, etc. Hadith is telling you, in that case, make Sha'ban as 30 days. Leave that next day as Sha'ban, then the day after you start fasting, whether you see the moon or not, then it doesn't matter. Because a month can never be more than 30 days. So, that is the proof that you don't fast on the day of doubt. And if you don't see the moon on the 29th, then the next day, because it's cloudy, etc., the next day is known as the day of doubt. But you don't make that the first of Ramadan. You leave that as the 30th of Sha'ban. And then the day after you start fasting. Then we have the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhumah qal, تَرَىٰ أَنَّاسُ الْهِلَالِ فَأَخْبَرْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنِّي رَأَيْتُ فَصَامَ وَأَمَرَ النَّاسَ بِصِيَامِهِ Abdullah ibn Umar says in this hadith that the people went out looking for the new moon. And I informed the Prophet ﷺ that I had actually been the one who sighted the new moon. He had sighted it. Abdullah ibn Umar. So he says, everybody went out looking for the new moon. And I went and told the messenger, I sighted it. فَصَامَ وَأَمَرَ النَّاسَ بِصَيَامِ So the Prophet ﷺ began the fasting and commanded the people to begin the fasting. This narration then, what does it indicate to us? The narration indicates the issue of the moon sighting. We've already seen in the other narration, Sumu li wa aftiru li Fast when you see it and end your fasting, i.e. the end of Ramadan and Eid, when you see it. So it's all about the moon sighting. Here Abdullah ibn Umar went and saw the moon, he spotted it. And based upon his testimony, the Prophet ﷺ declared the beginning of Ramadan. So what does the narration indicate? It indicates that the testimony of just one Muslim is sufficient. Abdullah ibn Umar, one Muslim, came and told the Prophet ﷺ, I spotted it. Based upon his narration, trustworthy of course, Abdullah ibn Umar, upon his one sighting, his one testimony, it was declared the month of Ramadan to begin. So this indicates that the month of Ramadan can begin with the testimony of one trustworthy Muslim. Male or female. Male or female. One trustworthy Muslim sights the moon, then that sighting can be accepted. It is accepted and the declaration of Ramadan begins. It is stated in another hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما أن أعرابيا جاء إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال إني رأيت الهلال فقال أتشهد أن لا إله إلا الله قال نعم قال تشهد أن محمد رسول الله قال نعم قال فأذن في الناس يا بلال أن يصوموا غدا in this narration of Abdullah ibn Abbas anhuma, he says that a Bedouin came to the Prophet and said that I saw 
the new moon. A Bedouin who lived out in the deserts came into the city to the Prophet ﷺ and said to him, I've seen the new moon, I spotted it. Obviously the Prophet ﷺ didn't know who this Bedouin was, some Bedouin who came. He said, I spotted the moon. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Do you bear witness that there is none to be worshipped in truth except Allah? None has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. He said, yes. Then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Do you bear testimony that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah? He said, yes. So now the Prophet ﷺ knew he was a, he was a Muslim. This Bedouin was a Muslim. So then the Prophet ﷺ said to Bilal, Go make the announcement that everybody fast from tomorrow. Ramadan has begun. So again, how many people witnessed the moon here? Just the one. One Bedouin came. One Bedouin came telling the Prophet ﷺ he has spotted the new moon and based upon his testimony, Ramadan was declared. But we benefit something else from here too. Is this not a proof for the fact that we take a hadith that's ahad? No, that's a separate issue. But here about the point of this narration relating to fiqh and Ramadan. Muslim. It has to be the testimony of a Muslim. If a kafir comes along and says, you guys, Ramadan, I spotted the moon last night, I saw it. We can't take that. has to be the testimony of a Muslim. Because here when the Bedouin came, the Prophet ﷺ inquired to make sure that he was a Muslim. When he confirmed with him that he does testify to the Shahadatain, he is a Muslim, then the Prophet said to Bilal, in that case, go make the announcement. The testimony has come. So this indicates that the testimony of one Muslim, trustworthy Muslim, is enough for Ramadan to be declared. The testimony of one trustworthy Muslim. It can be a man or a woman. Doesn't have to be any different ruling. The woman is the same. One trustworthy sister makes that testimony. Then it can be accepted and the ruling for Ramadan can be taken from that. So up to there it indicates to you that you're not allowed to add on any extra days leading into Ramadan. You can't say, well, let's just do an extra couple at the start just in case everything makes sure... You can't do anything like that. You can only start Ramadan when the moon has been sighted, when the ruling has been established. Also, the day of doubt, if you go out on the 29th and it's covered up in cloud and you can't tell, the next day is known as the day of doubt, but it's not allowed to fast on the day of doubt. Jumhur, majority of the scholars have mentioned that. On top of that, it mentions in all of those hadith, if it's covered up, then estimate Sha'ban as 30 days. So the next day you make it as the 30th of Sha'ban. And then we've learned from these narrations here regarding the moon sighting itself, that it is sufficient for the sighting to come from one trustworthy Muslim, whether male or female. Because in both of these narrations, the testimony came from a single trustworthy Muslim source. So I think today... There was a slight problem, I had a, a puncture. As a consequence, I was delayed, so we're going to have to cut it short today because of Maghrib now. But inshallah, next week uh, we'll try and get here on time to do a full class. We'll start from the next hadith next week then.
And that hadith starts from the intention, about making the intention for fasting for Ramadan. We'll start from that topic next week, inshallah ta'ala, then we'll have to cut short tonight. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين